Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Tumalang. Tumalang. Tumalanga. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning, church. So funny to see you all behind tables. What a difference. Can, I'm just going to ask you to stand, to stand to your feet just for a moment. We're just going to have a, a just a quick moment just to pray for our nation. If you wouldn't mind just grabbing the hand of the person next to you. We have a newly elected government, and the Bible orders us in Romans chapter 13 to pray for all those who are in authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So we're going to pray that this morning. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for peaceful elections, Lord. We thank you for hearing our prayers for our nation. We believe that you've been at work in our nation. We believe that you, Father God, have worked through the ballot boxes, through everything. Lord God, that you are in control of this nation, Father God. And we thank you for our new government that's coming into place. We thank you for wisdom upon them as they put the right people in the right places. Lord, we ask your hand to be on them. Lord, we pray that you would lead and guide every conversation in the cabinet, in parliament, in everything that they they do and how they organize themselves, Father God, filtering down to municipalities and cities, Father God, we pray your leadership, your guidance to go. Bless them with wisdom, Father God, that your plan and purpose be outworked through them. Father, you said that the heart of a king is in your hands, Lord. You turn it whichever way you want. We pray that you turn the hearts of our leaders, Lord God, to be servants of this nation, Lord God, to be servants of your will and your purpose, Father God, that we might see the nation blessed, Father God, that we might see your kingdom come in Jesus' mighty name, we pray this morning. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, you're welcome to give somebody a high five and take your seat. Come on. Isn't it good to, to be living in this time and living in a democratic nation? Praise God for all he's done, man. You know, all that he's done to to bring us to this point. If you have a Bible, join me in John chapter 12. This morning, um, I want us just to build up towards the launch of our prayer room. Starting next week, next week Sunday, we are opening our 24-7 prayer room. So this is kind of like a prelude to that. And... um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. We've got Pastors John and Rona Miller joining us next Sunday, uh, who are a dynamite couple. I mean, they've, they've cycled halfway, I mean, just pretty much the whole way over North America. They've cycled right the way through Europe. They, everywhere they go, they bring the love of God, and, um, and they're part of the leadership team of 24-7, and they're coming up next weekend. Nati Mboyazi will be coming up on the Monday following that, who's actually the leader of 24-7 prayer in South Africa, and they, they're all coming to see what Durban is doing. <laughs> so this is exciting times for us as a church, and I would encourage you, don't miss next Sunday. That's the opening Sunday. Please bring an ID book or a driver's license or something like that. Um, we will, yeah, because we'll need to register you for the prayer room. The prayer room has a biometric scanner, thumbprint scanner, and um, and the, the idea being that then you can access it any time of day or night. Uh, and this building is 24-hour security guarded. There's uh, CCTV cameras all over the prayer room and the entrance and everything. So it is super safe, super secure. You can come here anytime. And, uh, and, and with your thumbprint, you can access the room and spend quality time with your Father in heaven. 
Isn't that awesome? That is just so, even, you know, I'm like a note in my head, but just saying it out loud now just feels like so incredible. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am about this because in 2002, somewhere around there, I had a vision from the Lord when I was praying for Durban. That was a long time ago. And, uh, and in that vision, I saw the city of Durban in darkness and I saw these beams of light shooting from the earth up into the heavens. And the light wasn't just like Batman light. It was like, you know, the Batman light, you know, it was like pure, beautiful, brilliant, the light, God, God light. And I was shooting up to the heavens and I said to the Lord, Lord, what is this that I'm seeing? And he said, Wayne, those are the churches that are praying. And he said, when churches pray, what they do is when they pray consistently, when they pray with perseverance, when they pray with authority, what happens is they begin to create a portal between earth and heaven where the goodness and the glory of God can freely travel down onto the earth and the earth becomes blessed. And what happens is the demonic powers and principalities that set themselves up over cities begin to, they have to reposition. They have to move. And so what we understand from the Bible is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It says in, in, in Ephesians that we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness. And, and the idea is that they, they camp over cities and nations and communities and they, and they influence people to, to sin and to, to, to steal, to kill, to destroy. And when a church comes together and we begin to pray, we connect with God's purpose and God's plan for the earth and we start to see transformation come to the world around us. And little did I know that God actually gave that same vision to a, a man who was in uh, the UK at the time, a man by the name of Pete Gregg. He saw the vision and he started a 24-7 prayer room based on that vision. From that vision uh, and from that prayer room, thousands of prayer rooms have been birthed all over the world. And a 24-7 prayer movement has started, which we are now joining and a part of as well. Isn't that exciting? Praise God. Give God the glory. Hey? So, greater things are yet to come. Amen. John 12, are you there? Uh, we're going to just, we're going to read a passage here. Uh, verse 29. It says the following, but Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Can you say glorified? glorified. Truly, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Can you say much fruit? Whoever loves his life will lose it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be as well. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this purpose that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. Can you say, then a voice came from heaven? I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd standing there heard it and said that it had thundered, and others said that an angel had spoken to him. Lord, as we get into the reading of your word this morning, I pray for revelation. I pray for understanding this morning. I pray for grace on me to deliver your heart for this, for this time, for this moment. Holy Spirit, have your way amidst us this morning. Have your way. You are the leader in the house this morning, and this is your house. May your purpose prevail. Amen. Amen. So here's Jesus 
preaching a message to a crowd just before he's about to go to the cross. And he's talking about his life purpose and how he came to be that kernel of wheat that would fall to the ground and die. And the result of it was that it would bear much fruit. And what he meant when he said, when he said much fruit, what he, he meant that the salvation of the world in that moment. He meant the kingdom advancing. He meant the fact that there will be people in 2019 in Durban, South Africa, worshiping him and praising him and getting discipled in BFC and getting baptized on Sunday mornings. And that's what he was talking about, that he was going to fall to the ground and die. But after that, there was going to be this harvest all over the earth of people getting saved, walking in victory, like those victory testimonies we heard, and uh, overcoming and, and living the purpose that God had created for their lives. That's what he saw. That's what he knew. And that's what he saw was coming. And he, and he said, look, what should I say in this moment? Should I say, oh, save me? No, Father, let your name be glorified. Let, let your name be glorified, is, was the cry of Jesus. He wanted God to be glorified in the earth. And it's interesting that while he's preaching, the voice from heaven comes and says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And, and what the Father was saying was that, Jesus, your whole ministry was me pouring out my glory. Everything that you were doing was glory, was the glory of God on earth. That's what was happening. And not only have I done it now, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to keep glorifying your name throughout the ages to come. I want you to see this morning that the Father's mission is to, is to glorify His Son in the earth. The Father's mission is to let His glory uh, be known all over the earth. That's what He wanted. And it's interesting that when people were listening to Jesus preach, some of them were like, you know, they heard the Father speak from heaven. They heard this voice from heaven. Some of them were like, it thundered. Others were like, I think an angel spoke. But Jesus, what Jesus heard was a declaration of the Father saying, I'm going to glorify my Son in the earth. And you know, I thought about that, this passage, and I thought, it's, it's interesting. It's possible that we could, you know, all be in the same room at the same time, hearing the same thing, and yet some of us think it's thundering, some of us thinking maybe an angel spoke, and some of us hear the voice of the Father saying, I'm going to glorify my son in the earth. Um, and, and, you know, opening this prayer room, I don't know what it, what it, what it does. You know, as we, as we say it here this morning, as, I'm, as we, we, we're communicating, we're opening a 24-7 prayer room, um, some of you might be hearing, oh, the church is going to be doing something cool. Thunder. <laughs> some of you might be thinking, oh, the church is asking us to pray more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But what I really want you to hear this morning is I want you to hear the cry of the Father saying, I'm going to glorify my name in the city of Durban. That's what opening this prayer room is about. It's God declaring that he's about to glorify his name in amazing ways in the city of Durban. When you think about the opening of this room, that's what I want you to think about. I don't want you to think, oh, our church is cool. Oh, we're part of this. Oh, we're part of that. I, what I want you to hear is the cry of a father saying, I want my name to be glorified in the city. And that's why this prayer room exists. That's why we're opening this 24-7 prayer room. I want to show you another passage about the glory of God here. Can we go to Numbers chapter 14? Numbers 14. 
and verse 20. I do believe it'll come up, yes. Um, so let me, let, me, let me give you some context to this passage over here. We're, we're joining the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and, um, and they've just been, you know, through the Red Sea, amazing miracles, saved from Egypt, saved from the Egyptian army. They're traveling through the wilderness. They come to the edge of the promised land. They send out 12 spies into the promised land. The 12 spies come back with a report. Only two of them said, let's go, let's do this thing. The other 10 were like, I don't think so. There's giants in the land, and I don't know if God's going to help us. And they brought an evil report, the Bible says. And so God looks down on the Israelites, and he says, you know what? I'm done with you people. I'm going to smite you, Moses. I'm going to give you a new nation. Moses goes and stands before the Lord, and he cries out for the nation of Israel. And he says, Lord, please forgive us. Have mercy on us. You couldn't bring us all this way just to kill us. Please, will you have mercy on these people. And this is what God replies to Moses. And he says this in Numbers 14, 20. He says, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. That is, people, is the power of intercession. You know, these people were actually people who wanted to stone Moses. They actually wanted to kill him because when they heard the report of the spies and about giants in the land, they were like, let's kill Moses. He's brought us all this way, you know. And Moses here actually then cries out for them in prayer. I mean, I don't know if there's anything better than that. Then This is like praying for your enemies, people. This is praying for your boss that's giving you a hard time. This is praying for that person that gets under your skin. You know, this is praying for that neighbor that is just, you know, irritating your socks off. This is, this is intercession, you know. This is crying out for the people that, that are actually trying to stone him. And based, look at the persuasion Moses has with God. You know, it's not isolated that we see this in Scripture. We see that Abraham also had incredible persuasion with God that he was able to persuade God not to destroy cities or if, if there were righteous people in them. They, and others throughout Scripture, Elijah, you know, they, they had persuasion with God. They stepped in and interceded on behalf of the land, and God forgave, and God had mercy. And that's really what we see is, is our role, right? The role of intercession, to come on behalf of the city and say, Lord, Pardon the sin in this land. Pardon the idolatry in this land. Pardon the witchcraft. Lord, come and have mercy on the city of Durban. So God pardons according to his word. And he says this, But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want you to see this in this statement, the, the, the intentionality of the Father here. He's like, as surely as I live, the earth will be filled with the glory of God. You know, sometimes we look at the the Israelites coming out of Egypt and we think of it as it's like their story. But actually, their entire story was God's glory story. Them coming out of Egypt, them stepping into the promised land, them stepping into the blessing of God actually was God glorifying His name in the earth. Okay? And we're going to come back to that in a moment. I want to just, let's, let's, let's go to Habakkuk 2.14. It'll come up. It says the following. This is the prophet Habakkuk. And he's declaring this over the earth. And he says this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So here, God speaks to Moses. He speaks to the prophet Habakkuk. 
All right? He speaks to his son, Jesus. We've read that now in John 12 as well. I want you to see this one message that's going out here. My glory in all the earth. My glory over all the earth. Like the waters cover the sea, as surely as I live, my glory will cover the earth. And so, the, you know, the, a lot of people in the Old Testament, what they understood was this, was that God wants to glorify his name in the earth. He wants to be lifted up. He wants to be proclaimed. He wants to be made known. He wants to be the God over our cities, over our families, over our marriages, over our homes. He wants to be glorified. He wants to have number one position. That is his intention here. That's what he's going after. As surely as I live, he says, I will be glorified in all the earth. This is a determination. This is a perseverance. This is a, the declaration of his heart, of his mission, of his intent for humanity and for the earth as we know it today. I will be glorified in the city of Durban. I will be glorified in your life. I'm so happy that that declaration went over my life. He was like, no, you're not gonna, I'm not going to let sin glory over you. I'm not going to let your life be wasted in a nightclub, Wayne. I surely I will be glorified in your life. Tim Bacani shared that this morning. He saved me, delivered me, gave me authority, gave me identity. Surely I will be glorified in Tim Bacani, says heaven, this morning. Surely I will be glorified in your life. God will not share his glory with anyone. His, his glory is his mission in all the earth. That is what he's doing. That is what he's pursuing. And the psalmist, some of the psalmists got this. They were like, oh, I get it. This is a glory story. This is your glory and, and you taking your position in all the world. And some of them wrote psalms. In fact, many psalms. So you could go to so many this morning. I don't have time to show you all of them. Psalm 108 says, your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your, can we read it together? Let your glory be over all the earth. Let your glory be over all the earth. That's, that's man's response is just to say, let it be. Let it be. On earth as it is in heaven is basically saying, let the earth be filled with your glory. Another psalm says this. It says that the heavens contain the glory of God. No, sorry. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. And it says above the heavens is the glory of God. So we almost get this idea that God is in glory. The heavens proclaim his glory. And he wants his glory on the earth. He wants to be glorified on the earth. The question is that I have this morning is what? does the glory of God on the earth look like? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but like my imagination goes wild when I think about the glory of God. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking glory clouds. I'm thinking bright lights. I'm thinking, you know, just the, the presence, the power of God manifesting. What, what exactly does it look like when the glory of God is on the earth? Well, the key to understanding this is actually when you look at the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Because that whole process from bondage into freedom through a wilderness and mighty signs and wonders and then possessing a promised land, that entire process was God declaring His glory in all the earth. And what we see is, is this, is what's quite amazing about the Bible is that God's story of glory 
involves you and me. And His glory story is our glory story too. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, three words really come to mind. When, when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, He saved them. Okay? Then He brought them to a promised land where He enabled them with authority and identity to possess a land. And they were to conquer giants in that land. And so they walked then in victory over giants. Okay? They conquered cities. And then when they settled in the land, it was a land that was flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says. Love that. Flowing with milk and honey. That just sounds amazing. It was a land of blessing where they would be the head and not the tail. Where they would lend to nations and not borrow. Where they would be above and not beneath. Where they wouldn't be in sickness or in, of any kind, the fullness of his blessing. So I want you to see this. God sees a people bondage. He comes and saves them, delivers them. He empowers them to walk in victory. He empowers them to have victory, and then they settle in his blessing. That is the glory story of God. Mankind coming into the fullness of who man is meant to be on the earth. When mankind is living as God intended on the earth, the glory of the Lord has filled the earth. Westminster Catechism says this. It says that man is no, God is most glorified when man, let me get it right, sorry. Who knows it? God is most glorified when man is walking in his original purpose. When we are living as God intended, God is glorified. So when you see the scripture where it says that the glory of the Lord filled the earth as the waters cover the sea, I want you to see a picture of nations getting saved. Nations learning to walk in victory over giants. And nations walking in the blessing of God. That's prosperity, that's health in body, mind, soul, that's health in relationships, that's health in family, that's health in finances, that's health in every single way. That is God's glory filling the earth. You know, sometimes to go after this because sometimes we think that, you know, it's just this glory is this, this moment where we just have this tingling sensation, oh, the glory of the Lord was there. No, the glory of the Lord can be with you on Monday to Friday. <laughs> It can be as, as you are more discipled into the image of God, as you learn how to take your authority and squash some of those giants in your life, the glory of God prevails. So when we see salvation, when we see victory, and when we see blessing in our lives, we're seeing God's glory manifest on the earth. So when the psalmist prayed and he said, Lord, let your glory be over all the earth, what he was praying is saying, Lord, let people be saved. Let them walk in victory and let them be blessed with the blessing of heaven. That will be the glory of God on the earth. When God says, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with my glory. What he's saying is that this gospel is going to go out into all the nations, 
It's going to see people getting saved. It's going to see people getting healed. It's going to see people getting delivered. It's going to see those people who were formerly blasphemers and persecutors and violent men turning into people like the Apostle Paul. It's going to see people who were greedy and corrupt like Zacchaeus becoming generous and compassionate. It's going to be see drunkards become, you know, sober people. It's going to see people bound in fear, walking in victory over their lives. It's going to see people who were tormented by evil spirits, walking in the fullness of their identity. It's going to see relationally dysfunctional people building strong relationships and families. It's going to see the lustful and the perverse walking in purity and righteousness. It's going to see drug addicts saved and restored. It's going to see prostitutes coming off the streets. It's going to see pimps turning into preachers. It's going to see the lost found in Jesus' name. That is the glory of God coming to the earth. And when he says, I will be glorified, I want you to know that's his mission. That's what he wants to see for our city, for you, for your life. Man, when you squash that, when you take some giants in your life, when you, when you learn some more about what this word has, when you start to, like, when you come maybe from poverty and you start to realize God wants me blessed. And you start to own that revelation and you start to crush that, that generational curse of poverty. When you start to walk in that thing and you start to take dominion on the earth and become a landowner and become a house owner and become a lender, not a borrower, and become an investor, become an employer, not just someone who's always looking for, you are, step, you are, you are showing the glory of God in the earth. I want you to see that his glory story includes you this morning. So it's not just this, you know, there's not this false humility of like, oh God, be glorified in the earth. You stand on the stage and everybody will praise you. No, you are God's stage. You are his landing place. When you say, God, be glorified in the earth, what you're saying is, God, let the fullness of you be manifested in my life so I can see everything of heaven come into my life in this time, in this generation, for my kids and my kids' kids. It's not just... I want you to see you're in the story this morning. <laughs> Not somebody say you're in the glory story, man. This is incredible that God is looking for his name to be glorified, but in that process, we are enjoying the fruit of that. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. You bear his image. You bear his likeness. And, you're, and, when, and when you're walking in the fullness of who he's called you to be, man, you are showing him in the earth. Why do you think it is that there is an enemy who hates you so much, who's done everything he can your whole life to stop you from hearing this truth, to stop you from going to BFC, to stop you from being baptized, to stop you from knowing your true identity, who's hurt and damaged you and said lies and whatever over your life? Why? Because you bear that image. And every time you step into the fullness of that image, it's a reminder to him of that, the fact that God's glory will be filled over the earth. And he hates God. That's why he was thrown out of heaven to the earth. So I want you to see this this morning, that when you pray, God be glorified, you're saying, God, take your fullness in me. (laughs) When you learn to conquer fear in your life, God is glorified. You know, Tim Bacani gets up here, I'm a shy person, he conquered that this morning. God is glorified. When you start to walk in the, in the principles of the word, 
And you start to really own them. Love, peace, joy, you know, stewardship. You start to own these principles. You're, you're carrying the glory of God in the earth. You're carrying something that this, this world doesn't have. It's beautiful that we're in this glory story. So when we say we're opening a 24-7 prayer room, let me rewind. <laughs> what are we saying? Oh, the church is doing something cool. Oh, the church wants you to pray more. No, 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 no. What I want you to hear, that this room is a declaration from heaven saying, I will be glorified in the lives in this city. I will be glorified in Durban. I'll be glorified over here on these streets. I'll be glorified on the Berea. I'll be glorified in the city center. I will be glorified up north. I'll be glorified on the beaches. I will be glorified in the city. That's what this is. That's what this prayer room is. It's God saying, I will be glorified. Why is, the, why is the opening a prayer room say a declaration of God de, uh, being glorified in the earth? Well, because J. Edwin Orr said the following. He said, whenever God is ready to do something new with his people, he always sets them to praying. Jonathan Edwards, one of the leaders of the Great Awakening, said this. He said, when God has something very great to accomplish for his church, it is his will that there should be they should precede it, the extraordinary prayers of his people. Prayer is always the, always precedes revival and reformation. Always. Whenever God's got about to do something, it always starts with prayer. It always starts when the church comes together and begins to pray and seek his face and turn away from the evil ways. Then we start to see him healing the land. We start to see him doing incredible things. And so opening a prayer room is, is opening up space for his people to come and seek his face so that his will for his glory would come to the city. And from that stage, it happens. From that, it's always preceded by prayer. When Joshua was about to enter the promised land, he gathered the children of Israel together and he said the following. He said, consecrate, can we read it? Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He gave them a command and he said this. They were about to possess their land. And he said this, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. It was a command, Con, uh, consecrate yourselves, but look at the blessing attached to it, for God will do amazing things amongst you. I don't know about you, but when I, if I was given that command, my mind goes crazy with what those amazing things could be. <laughs> hey? God saying, can you imagine God saying, I'm going to do amazing things among you, every nation Durban. Consecrate yourselves. I'm going to do amazing things amongst you. My mind goes crazy with what, all the possibilities of that. When we rewind and we look at that story and we see those Israelites what, and Joshua leading them into that promise saying he did do amazing things. This was the generation that saw the walls of Jericho fall down with no one touching them. <laughs> straight to the ground. This is the generation that saw the Jordan River open up. This is the generation that saw the sun stop in the sky so that they could pursue their enemies. Amazing things amongst them. Church, are we still a church that believes God can do amazing things amongst us? Are we still a people that believe He can do amazing things in our city and in our neighborhoods? 
then the, then the cry is consecrate yourself. Because before conquest can happen, we must consecrate ourselves. It's consecration before conquest. It's a principle in Scripture. We, what we see, what you're reading here on this passage is a principle. It's a principle that says, when you draw near to me, I draw near to you. It's, a, it's just all over Scripture. Wherever Israel proclaimed a fast and returned to the Lord, we see God doing amazing things. All the way through modern church history, whenever the church comes together and says, you know what, society's a mess, everything's corrupt, everything's falling apart, let's pray. God then does amazing things and raises up deliverers and revivals and reformation starts to happen and incredible stuff happens whenever the church consecrates itself. And so opening a prayer room is this. It's a call to consecration. It's a call to, to say, I'm going I'm to go and seek the Lord for His glory story to be outworked in the city of Durban, in my life, in, in my family's life. Consecration. Look at somebody and say, consecration before conquest. Consecrate means this. It means to make holy or to dedicate to a higher purpose. I love that. To dedicate to a higher purpose. I want to ask you this morning, are you dedicated to a higher purpose? Are you dedicated to a higher? What does it mean to be dedicated to a higher purpose? Well, it means that, you know, I know number one in your life is whatever, your job, your career, that next thing or whatever. We all got our thing, okay? But a higher purpose means not just me. A higher purpose means God's purpose for the earth, God's purpose for the city. That's what it means to be, and to be dedicated to a higher purpose means, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to believe you to do something just beyond my own life, to do something special in the church, to do something so amazing in our church that, man, we'll see the wheelchairs piling up over there because people, the lame are walking. And we'll see, you know, the, the walking sticks thrown away because people are getting healed. But we'll see more testimonies like Derek where I had stage four cancer and now it's all gone. You know, like, come on. Come on. Do, do, isn't that what we want to see in the church, people? Consecration. Consecration. Consecration before conquest. Consecration is the word. Consecration is what God's calling us to. Consecration is what this prayer room is about. Consecration is an interesting word. When I was looking it up on the internet, I saw that it was quite funny. I was looking at the def biblical definitions of consecration. And, and on the webpage, there's all these adverts popping up. And I was like, that's quite ironic. <laughs> because, because if something's consecrated, it's about one thing. And not about many things. You know, if something is, it's dedicated just for that thing. And I want to say, guys, that's what we have. We have a space that is God's space. There's nothing else that's going to happen there but prayer. It's not going to be used for anything else but prayer. It's a place of prayer. It's a place to meet with God. It's a place to seek the face of God. It's a place to cry out for the city, to cry out for the economy, to cry out for our government. It's a place to cry out for our schools and families. It's a consecrated space. It's a space that's His and His alone. It's set apart just for Him. Can you see the significance of this thing and what we're doing? Um, in Korea... Something amazing has happened in the last century in Korea. In, in, in 100 years in Korea, um, they have gone from almost 0% Christianity to 50% in, the nation, in just 100 years. 
And if you rewind to where that hundred years started, where the salvation started happening, what you find is four missionaries coming together and saying, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's unite our efforts and pray. So they decided to pray at lunchtime every day for an hour. And they began to pray for one month. One of them said, after a month, nothing is happening. Let's stop. The other three said, no, let's intensify. They continued for another couple months. And then something incredible happened. 2,000 people got saved. I, th- I don't even know. How did that look like? I mean, we're in a, we're in a 300-seater. You know, like, what does 2,000 people get saved? It's just so easy for the Lord when we pray. <laughs> it's just so easy for the Lord when we get pray. You know, just 2,000 people just got saved, just like that. And then they said, you know what? This is coming from us praying. This is coming from our consecration unto the Lord. This is coming from joining in the glory story. This is from coming in and saying, Lord, let your glory fill the earth. Let people be saved. Let them walk in victory. Let them be blessed, Father God. That's what, that's what, what it came from. So they decided out of those 2,000 people to have a 4 a.m. prayer meeting every morning. So the first prayer meeting happened and 400 people showed up for the first prayer meeting. The next morning, it was 700 people, and they didn't have a venue big enough to contain. So they started the 4 a.m. prayer meeting all over the country. And what you start to see is, is maybe a few years later, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like you see in the book of Acts, that came upon a, 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 a conference happening in Korea. They were filled with the Spirit and filled with the fire of God, and from there, thousands upon thousands got saved. Korea has trained two million missionaries and sent them to the world in these last hundred years. There are two million Koreans not in Korea who have given their lives to the harvest fields in Africa, in Asia, in South America, all over the world, just in the last 200 years. Out of that fire, two million have been trained just as missionaries, cross-border missionaries. Tomorrow morning at 4 a.m., millions of Koreans will wake up and go and pray. That same prayer meeting is still happening today, every single day. They call it dawn prayer. Consecration before conquest. They've seen half their nation getting saved in just 100 years. People opening a prayer room (laughs) is, is us stepping into that space for God to do Amazing things amongst us. I want us to take a moment this morning. There's pens and paper in front of you. And while Avi just put some music on in the background, I want you to take a moment. There's, there's, there, you'll find there's a large piece of paper and there's a small piece of paper. There should be, okay, on each table. And there should be pens and stuff. And on the large piece of paper, what I would like you Okay, sorry. How's this quote by Pastor Paul Yonki Cho? It says, In Korea, it's normal for church members to go to bed early so they can rise at 4 a.m. to participate in united prayer. It's normal for them to pray all through Friday nights. It's normal to go out to prayer retreats. They even have a mountain that's dedicated to prayer called Pray Mountain. <laughs> okay? So that, that's Pastor Yonki Cho, one of the largest churches in the world. I think it has a million members, something like that. Um, this piece of paper, Avi, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide. Um, okay. 
I see great, th- I'd like you to, on the big piece of paper right at the top, I see great things for my city. And what I'd like you to do is take a moment and just meditate on the word of God's glory coming. And I'd like you to, s- to see what God sees for our city. I want you to imagine what the Lord can do in the city of Durban. And I would like you to write on that piece of paper just some points there of what you, what, you, what you think God could do, what great things God could do in our city. On the small piece of paper, if you wouldn't mind just going to the next slide, it says the following. This is your consecration slip. I'd like you to write over here a consecration of what you believe you can do in terms of going to the prayer room. Okay, so you can write there, I consecrate every Wednesday morning, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., or every second Friday, 10 p.m. to 12 p.m. to the 24-7 prayer room. So I don't know what your schedule looks like. Remember, it's 24-7, okay? There's no, there's no hour that it's not available, all right? So you write that on this slip, you, and, then, and then we're going to hand these in, okay? And, and really, like, I'd like you just to consecrate. I'd like you to think about this for a moment and feel like, what is God leading you to write on this on this small slip. Is that okay? Does everybody understand? Have I explained it well? Okay, I'm going to give you some time. Take some time, enjoy His presence, and write what great things you see for our city.
can I read maybe one or two here? What do you got? Come on, salvation and consistency in everyone's walk in Christ. I see for everyone to seek Jesus Christ and to seek Him intentionally and meaningfully. I see peace and no crime for the city of Durban. Come on, isn't that awesome? Come on, give me what else you got. I see many souls coming to salvation in Durban. I see prostitutes loved, cared for, saved, and discipled into their God-given purpose. I see a clean, restored, built-up, vibrant, blessed city that rests on the armor of God. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Let's have some more. Let's have some more. I see HIV and AIDS starts decreasing to minute levels. Come on. To nothing. Decreasing crime, hatred, and violence. I see an influx of teachers, preachers, and apostles in the church. Isn't that awesome? Come on, guys. Give me something here. I want to read something. Here we go. I see, okay, the glory of God within the city and nation. I see an outpouring of His Spirit. I see salvation for people to know the heart of God and discover their life purpose. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So we could go around the room and and share. What I'd like you to do is maybe turn to the person next to you, share with them your number one, and and I'd like you just to take a moment and pray for their number one, and then they pray for your number one, just on what you see for the city of Durban. Come on. I'm going to make you work this morning. wrap up prayers. Okay, if you wouldn't mind wrapping your prayers, and then what I'd like you to do is consecration paper of of the time that you are consecrating. Have you written it down? Have you thought about it? Do you need time to look at your schedule, diary? No? (laughs) All right, we've got it. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys to, to, to leave it on the table, okay? 
and, and leave what you see for the city of Durban on the table because uh, we, we're going to collect all of this and, and we're going to put these things in the prayer room, okay? And, uh, and you'll, you'll see them up there next week. But what I want us to do this is a moment of consecration is, is really a, it's a moment of dedication and it would be so good for us to take communion in this moment as well. And what I'd like us to do this morning is take communion, um, if you wouldn't mind just dishing out. So everybody's got a cup and uh, everybody's got some bread as well. The Bible says that when we do this, we should do this in memory of Christ. And what we see in Jesus is someone who was completely sold out and dedicated to a higher purpose. In that passage that I read to you from John chapter 12, he said, what should I say in this hour? Father, rescue me? No, but for this reason I have come, that you may be glorified in all the earth. Jesus was about the Father's glory. And I want you to take a moment this morning and to consecrate your life to a higher purpose, to consecrate yourself to His purpose. And when we look at Jesus, we see that in Him. And this this body that we're holding, this bread which symbolizes His body, this cup which symbolizes His blood, is really a symbol of His His dedication to us, of His commitment, of His consecration to a higher calling. And and as we take it this morning, let's, let's... have the same mind of Christ, that we are committing our lives to seeing the purpose of God fulfilled in our city this morning. All right, so this is a call to consecration. If you don't feel like you're ready to make that call, then don't feel like you have to participate. That's fine, all right? Just let the bread and the cup pass by. That's okay. No one's going to judge you or anything, okay? But if you feel like you're ready to say, Lord, I'm going I'm to consecrate myself to your higher purpose coming to the city, And when I go to this prayer room, Lord, I'm going to be praying for your plans, for your will, for your purpose to unfold. Then let's take communion together. Let's take the bread. Lord, we remember your body that was broken for us. And we, we, we know we're not meant to just marvel at your consecration and, and the dedication of your life, but your life is meant to be our, become our life. And by, by partaking this morning of the bread, that's what we're saying, Lord. Let, let that mind that was in you be in us, that we too would be about the Father's glories. As we take the cup this morning, let's take the cup. We remember your blood that was shed for us so that we could have salvation, so that we could have victory in our lives, and so that we can be blessed in every way. Father, I just speak (laughs) your salvation, your victory, and your blessing over this congregation this morning. Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers every man, woman, child in this venue this morning. I thank you, Father God, that every person here is blessed, empowered to prosper, empowered to go and walk in victory, to go and possess the land that is theirs, Lord, to walk in the fullness of what you've called them to do, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Come on. Well, so please leave your, please leave your, your papers on the table. We're going to collect them, okay? But uh, don't forget, next week, do you want to wrap? Next week, we're opening our prayer room. Bring an ID, a driver's, something along with you so that we can register you. First time visitors, please don't forget to join us for tea and coffee outside. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.